Hi there, Origin Podcast listeners. Prashant here. Today, I'm speaking with Vivek Yadavali, a clinical neuroradiology fellow at Stanford Healthcare. While Origin doesn't focus on healthcare, we thought we'd mix things up for an episode. Vivek and I will chat about the impact of AI and technology on his field of radiology, but also more broadly, how and where Vivek thinks technology can best improve healthcare outcomes, and how to design systems and government roles to properly harness technology. Hope you enjoy. Hey, Vivek, how's your evening going? Fantastic. Awesome. Spending it with you. <laughs> well, I appreciate you being on the uh, podcast to share some of your uh, knowledge. And it happens to be in an area where Origin doesn't focus or spend a lot of time in the healthcare space. But I do think it's an interesting category to talk about. Um, you know, some of the topics I want to cover are kind of the impact of AI on healthcare in general, but also in your field specifically, radiology and then get some insights into your general views on the space. And then I'm sure we'll touch on myriad other topics as well. But why don't we get started with uh, you sharing a little bit about yourself and your background? Sure. Um, so for everyone on the podcast, uh, my name is Vivek Yadavali. Um, I'm, I'm currently a neuroradiology fellow at Stanford. Um, I completed my medical school in Ohio in in 2009, subsequently did my radiology residency in Chicago, and recently started my my fellowship here at Stanford um, in in July of this year. So definitely excited to be on. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, the first question, you know, we're, we're, we don't start with softball questions here at, at the Origin Ventures podcast. Yeah. So I want to know when your job is going to be obsolete because of artificial intelligence replacing radiologist completely You're really starting out fresh huh that's uh the, really the only question you want to answer to be honest yeah, that's right this is the only one you care about right <laughs> <laughs> well when i'm unemployed maybe you can get me a job at at origin but, <laughs> maybe doing podcasts yeah. <laughs> but um but i mean this is this is this is actually a great question i mean the reality is many people within the mainstream public have thought about this and have, have heard about this. And we've read a number of articles that touch on this, especially within radiology, because of the role of medical imaging within healthcare in general. So I mean, the, the reality is the truth lies somewhere in the middle. You know, if you, if you find, if you look at articles peppered across the internet with this, you'll see outliers saying that AI won't, it won't make a dent in radiology, and then others that are saying that this is impending doom. And the field is dead. You know, the, I mean, the truth is it probably lies somewhere in the middle. And I mean, I think specifically for, for radiology, in my personal opinion, and the opinion of many within the field, I would say the majority, is that this, this gives us additional opportunities. And we're very optimistic about the possibilities that AI gives us in the field. And it, it, it really helps us cater to a lot of the, the data that's being accumulated out there. And and utilize it in a completely different way. I mean, I, I know most people think of radiologists as these socially inept people who are holed up in a dark room in a hospital basement. <laughs> who says that? Oh, I've, uh, the specifically the the host of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and and 
I mean, unfortunately, there is there's a little bit of truth to that, as with all stereotypes. But I'd like to think that I'm more socially adept than that stereotype is. But um, but but I mean, the reality is when we're talking about AI and how it affects radiology, we're talking about image interpretation, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what that's what most people in the general public think of when we think of radiologists. We're the doctors that interpret your MRIs, your CTs, your X-rays, and so forth. And that's where AI has will directly potentially have a major impact on. But but the reality is, radiologists are are physicians just like any other subspecialty, and we have multiple rows of which image interpretation is one of them, but not the only, only thing mm-hmm. that we do. You know, we, we have uh, other, other roles that we play are, are having relationships with our clinical colleagues or multidisciplinary conferences. And, and there's a human component to medicine that, that things like AI will not necessarily be able to take away. I mean, that's the art of medicine. And that's something that we can, we can tap into with as radiologists. And then, I mean, another thing is we're the experts when it comes to radiation, right? So, I mean, would you want to be exposed to excess radiation? And, I don't think so. Yeah, exactly, right? So, so I mean, I, I, the reality is AI isn't going to necessarily help you with that. Mm-hmm. So, so things like that, determining the types of tests that are necessary, whether or not a diagnostic test like a CT or MRI is necessary, these are, these are questions that a radiologist is an expert in. And that's that's something that really AI can't take over. So in many ways, it's not whether AI will replace the radiologist, but rather how it will change the role of the radiologist. Yeah, I mean, I think if if I'm understanding correctly, part of what you expect AI to do is, let's say, you can shift some of the more basic cases of interpretation to a machine, right? That allows you in a workday to have more time to interface with colleagues, to maybe spend time on some particularly difficult cases or patients, or, you know, read up on, on other dis- multidisciplinary approaches to some particular uh, category that you're interested in, become more well-versed in that to treat patients moving forward. So it sounds like what you're saying is you almost welcome it. You're, you're saying that'd be great if I can use it as basically an assistant to augment my work so that I can spend time on higher value work. And this, this is a story that we've seen throughout history, right? right. People have always been afraid of machines automating away right. everything, right? And, and that really hasn't been the case. People have found ways to do higher level, higher knowledge work that actually increases their productivity uh, and, and their pay. And, and you know, that, that's a great point. And, and it, it's not just that. It's the fact that AI augments our role in so many other ways. It's, 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 it's able to analyze the amount of data that we have right now. There's so much untapped data that we have in the electronic health records that we haven't even touched. And being able to analyze that volume of data. What do you mean, what do you mean by that, that you haven't even touched? Meaning that, for example, you know, that there, there's so many trends and, that we can utilize for, for determining disease prognosis or treatment changes, genetics, genetic testing, lab values, th- things that we can tap into that we have in the system right now in our electronic medical health records that we haven't gotten a chance to analyze in different ways. Do you think that's like, is that a compute problem or is that an access problem? Like all of these things are trapped in different hospitals and different hospital systems and different types of databases. They have all sorts of governance 
you know, around who can touch them and use different pieces of the data. So is that really, that's not really, doesn't sound to me like it's a computer AI problem. It's more like, how do we put that all in one place in a structured format that in a standard that everyone can understand and then run analyses and, and use it in the ways that you're describing? And I think, I mean, you, you touched on it. That's one of the, that's one of the major challenges when it comes to AI in general, because everything in, in medicine and medicine is one of those fields that's, that's this massive, slow field that, that's, that takes a long time to change. And there's a lot of red tape that you got to deal with. And it's, it's, it, it just changes very slowly. And that's one area where, where AI can either expedite the process or you know potentially create new avenues to deliver healthcare. And go, going back to what you're saying, it's it, it comes down to an access problem. I mean, there's so many different types of electronic uh, health record systems that we use across the country. Mm-hmm. Different different healthcare systems, hospital systems may use the same one with different nuances or an entirely different one. So a lot of it comes down to those the interfaces between two different types of systems. And being able to reconcile the data that they have and put it in a standardized format. And so 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 meaning that 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 volume of data is there, it's just wrapped in so many different packages that mm-hmm. we have to first unwrap the packages to reveal what the data is and then put it together. Mm-hmm. So 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 that's that's where AI can can expedite that process so we can utilize it for clinical application. Mm-hmm. Do you think so? It sounds like there's a you know there's a regulatory issue with respect to, to to access, right, or curbing access. But do you think that doctors, you know, you're a doctor. Do you think that doctors also kind of have a built-in objection to broadly sharing data? I mean, there's the issue of like liability, right? And malpractice is a big issue in the in the medical space, as far as I know. And you know, doctors may not want all of the tests that they've run and all the work that they've done and all their case notes and files and things like that out in the open for study, right? So do you think that doctors would be okay with just kind of opening the floodgates and saying like, hey, here's all this data, we should be using it to, to improve our, our health processes and outcomes? Well, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily as much from the doctor's perspective. It's more the, the privacy issues when it comes down to, this is patient data. It mm-hmm. comes down to the patients. I mean, would you want like say, God forbid, you have some sort of condition, or you or a family member has some sort of condition. Mm-hmm. You don't want that out in the that that that's your data. Mm-hmm. That that pertains to you. You own that. Mm-hmm. You but you can that. you can anonymize that, right? You you could you anonymize that. You can. Yeah, you can absolutely. But but at the same time, that that anonymization process is something that that will also take a little bit of time as well. Right. So so it's and. It's not just anonymizing it; it's it's getting the the consent from the patients to be allowed to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, so so these are these are all adding steps to this entire process that that create new challenges for for really the the implementation of AI. Do you think it's getting better? Like, do you think there's a slow, steady march to some of the improvements that that you've described, or do you kind of think we're stuck in the mud and it's going to take some sort of step change or change in regulations or some major player in the space kind of standardizing a bunch of data sets and then opening it up for for public the public and, and researchers to run analysis like how do you how do you feel about the current trajectory of 
of the the market. I mean, I'm I'm pretty optimistic about it because I think I think right now we've made great strides in it, and there's the, the there are a lot of there are a lot of studies out there, a lot of articles out there showing the the efficacy of AI and how we can potentially utilize it for clinical impact. But mm-hmm. it's not but but it's not just that it's 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 also just showing like for example google has done a number of 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 uh of applications on this process and and they've they've showed some moderate success with it which is awesome but it, when it comes to a, a regulatory component this is we're 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 getting into unprecedented territory right so it's it it comes down to how we're going to govern this process and that's going to take a while when it comes to that it's right because who's in who's in charge and right process and how do you define it is it national is it global right how do you, how do you think about all those lines yeah and i mean we have to, we have to think about it from not just getting to the national or local process what about you know we have to think about local and, and personalized you mm-hmm. know, each person may not view ai in the same way they may not they, they may be more weary of having their personal data out there for example mm-hmm. um and you know, it's it's and when it, when it comes to the FDA approval and the medical legal implications, with that, which I think is one of the largest hurdles of this process, is how we're going to legislate when AI is wrong, and that's, mm-hmm. that's definitely going to be a possibility. It's going right. to happen. It's inevitable. Who's fault? Who's fault? Yeah, right. We you 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 had a similar you had a similar case with one of your guests in your prior podcast, which I think was the best one till date till yours truly came on what <laughs> but it's where you're talking about driverless cars right and now, the liability there's, issue there's there, there there are a lot of similarities with the challenges of driverless cars that apply to here mm-hmm. to, to health yeah. in general because you're, you're you're talking about someone's life being at stake now right, right. Yeah, that's a good analogy yeah so 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 that adds a completely different component to this process and when when something goes wrong with something like with a situation like this, who, how are we gonna how are we gonna reconcile these these medical legal implications? You can't sue a robot, you know. Mm-hmm. Someone has to take this liability, mm-hmm. and that's yep. gonna be a major hurdle when it comes to AI. And because we're chartering this unprecedented territory, we have to. I mean, we have to figure out over time, you know, within the next five ten years how this is going to be legislated and then use those precedents later on, but it's, it's going to take time. Yeah. You know, we touched, we touched on this a little bit earlier, just talking generally about healthcare and uh, the delivery of, of healthcare quality healthcare. Mm-hmm. You know, you and I have talked about this in the past before about healthcare delivery being deeply broken and there's so many issues and we could spend hours breaking down all these different issues but I want to focus specifically on some tangible ways you think technology can be helpful. And, and you alluded to this in your previous answer right. uh, and you being optimistic. So if you could share kind of what makes you optimistic and what are some tangible examples that you're seeing where technology is helping right now, maybe in your field or, or other medical fields that you, that you know well, and where do you think in the near future it can have the biggest impact? Well, I'll touch on radiology and in, at first, and then I'll I'll talk about medicine sure. a little bit after that. So, specifically, when it pertains to radiology, when a lot of it comes down to increasing efficiency and workflow, I mean, a lot of it, a, a lot of the, 
a lot of the images that we have, a lot of the CTs and MRIs, these are these these are studies with a lot of images. For example, a, a CT scan can have hundreds of images. MRIs can now have thousands of images, some even over 10,000 images. And you're talking about a human interpreting that many number of pictures. Mm -hmm. I mean, imagine just going through your photos and then seeing 10,000 pictures, <laughs> you know, like that's, and then trying to figure out and synthesize all of the information in those pictures into a, a paragraph. Mm -hmm. So, so when it comes to that, that that's where AI's workflow uh, can can potentially augment what we're doing within radiology, and it, it, being able to take take for example um, some of these these difficult studies that we can have, or even as you touched on previously, some of the simpler studies, and be able to triage this this list of of, of studies we may have to get through in a given day. To, to, to target ones that require our attention earlier. And that can, that can potentially help us get to, get to treatment for the patient quicker, which is, which is more important. For example, if someone has a, has a CT of their head, you know, after, after, after feeling some arm weakness or something, and we're worried about stroke, mm -hmm. we, see, we see that the AI picks up that there is a, a big stroke on this CT, but we haven't gotten a chance to get to it yet as the radiologist. AI can potentially give us the opportunity to, to say, hey, look at this study first before you get to the next one because there's something on here mm -hmm. and I'm worried about it. So it can help us triage these cases in a way that makes our workflow more efficient and increases our, our accuracy. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, it can increase our productivity because it, it, helps, it helps us look at this vast number of images quicker in a more expedited process and limiting some of the, the errors we would make. And not to mention it, it, it takes out a lot of the tedious, mindless tasks that can sometimes go with looking at these images and do it for us. And, and by doing that, it can help us synthesize that information in, in, in more accurate and efficient ways. So that, that, that's where it helps with radiology. And another thing that it can do is, is really incorporate a lot of the, the data that we see within the electronic health records, right? So, so for example, if, you have, if, if we have a cancer patient and they're looking for some sort of genetic testing or lab values or you know, what treatments they've had in the past, being able to extract that information from an electronic healthcare record and know which, which information is pertinent for the study and be able to incorporate it adds adds significant value in our interpretation. So, so that, that, that process, like you were talking about with, with access, that's another different type of access where AI can, can definitely augment that process. And, I mean, and another thing is also going back, just touching on the amount of data that's out there, AI can look at these trends that have been going on. I mean, we have vast data you know, dating back decades now for many conditions. Many of the conditions that still afflict us to this day, I mean, those haven't changed. Right? Mm -hmm. so we have considerable amount of data when it comes to that. And then being able to detect trends within each one of these disease patterns to be able to create targeted therapies and new avenues for therapy in the future is, is, is one of the major 
major positive contributions I, I see AI doing. And then the, the last thing I want to touch on is, is really how AI, and this is not just radiology, so it's, it's really when it comes to medicine in general, is being able to, to cater to underserved areas and developing countries where the healthcare infrastructure may be lacking. Mm-hmm. And we can touch on that from, from remote aspects now. So imagine if, you know, someone in the middle of, of you know, uh, the Congo has, has, a, has, a, has a knee fracture. And I'm able to see that from Chicago or San Francisco and be able to diagnose it and tell the clinician who's there because of AI. Or, or rather, AI can even detect it first, and then I review the image later on. We're able to expand the delivery of healthcare, and that that that's that can create such positive benefits for society going forward. Yeah, so, that's, that's a great. You know, and, and 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 you know another thing that that people often forget is healthcare is most crucial in settings like, for example, where there are where there are mass casualties, God forbid, you know, like what we, when it came to the Boston Marathon bombing or the Paris bombings, where we have, we have a lot of people who have, who are afflicted with these, these morbidities all of a sudden, that's where efficiency and accuracy is most important. And in those types of settings, you know, AI can be extremely beneficial. Do you think that uh, all doctors or most doctors share the same optimistic view of technology and having data at their fingertips and using artificial intelligence to augment their work? Because I feel like not all doctors share that view and a lot of them may be scared of technology and maybe you aren't because you're you're kind of more open to it and you've been exposed to some of the benefits. Um, but how would you kind of rate the rest of your field on, on their view of technology? Well, I'd say... I'd say it, it comes down to two things. It comes down to the doctor's subfield and, frankly, their age. That's, mm-hmm. that's what it comes down to. I mean, their subfield in, in radiology, I mean, radi- radiology has always been somewhat attacked and considered vulnerable when it comes to technology because it is the most technologically oriented field within medicine. So, so there's always some component of it. That that's exposed to that, and we, you know, I've I've heard this for for decades that radiology is going to be going to be dead soon because of technology, and we've hung around for hundred or over a hundred years now, right? So it's it, it's just a matter of becoming an early adopter, embracing the inevitable, and AI is going to be inevitable. It's just how it's going to impact healthcare, and if we're able to drive that as radiologists, that's going to help our subfield. Now, when it comes to medicine in general, I mean, the radiology is just one field that AI is impacting. It's impacting health medicine across the board, multiple subspecialties, radiation oncology, pathology, you know, and even even surgeries in some ways too. Later on, by being able to to detect certain areas that can that can help the surgeon localize where they want to go, or you know, for example, using technology like the for like the FDA approved an imaging analysis for diabetic retinopathy that doesn't require the analysis of an ophthalmologist anymore, right? So, so th- things like that where it can expedite the process and and take all of that data 
that that that's really where where AI's future is in all of this. But the thing is, when it comes down to age, ultimately, you know, younger physicians are going to be more tech savvy, mm-hmm. going to be more likely to be early adopters. And the reality is, it's the early adopting physicians who are going to replace those who do not adopt the inevitable. And that's what's going to happen with radiology and every other subfield of medicine. How much flexibility would a young physician have to kind of bring in new technologies to a hospital or university system or even a local clinic? Like I I can imagine that those decisions are made by boards and uh, physicians who have the most tenure and the most experience. You know, it's not like me bringing in a software tool that I just want to use for my personal note-taking and calendar keeping, right? It's it's more involved than that. So I wonder, even if younger physicians are more likely to adopt these technologies, are they actually empowered to do so in the, in the situations that they're in? But I mean, that, that ultimately comes down to the leadership of, of the, of the hospital system. Mm -hmm. If if it's going to impact the field in totality, the way AI will with, with radiology, as we've touched on good leadership will take that very seriously and utilize their younger workforce to, to affect change within the system. And so, so it ultimately comes down to the caliber of leadership that you have. You know, and like, for example, at being in the middle of Silicon Valley, you know, being at Stanford, we see a lot of these, these technologies and a lot of the potential options. And yeah, I'm sure you've got people coming by every day to try to sell you some new, new hardware or new software. Or you know, we see a lot of we see a lot of people working in tandem with with many of my attendings and professors to create new technology. Yeah, those yeah. opportunities are are you know one and I mean th- th- those those are some of the most incredible opportunities that you can get. You know, so so I th- I think that's that's really what it boils down to. It's it's how much the leadership of these hospitals embrace the change. Are there any subspecialties that are more likely to adopt than others? You know, you talked about how radiologists may be more against some of these things because they view it as a threat to their to their work and their category and their livelihood. What are some that are are much better about adopting technologies? You know, I mean, I I would actually say that I mean, radiology is probably one of the first ones. We've always been good about about adopting technology, technology in general but but as it is i would say um other other fields that can benefit from it are for example hematology oncology you know is a, is a major subspecialty that can use ai in, in many ways for targeted therapy or you know better better genetic analysis of different types of cancers to create new therapies or new diagnoses that, that they can use later on. So I, I would say HEMOC is probably another field that that has has embraced AI to an extent and realizes that it can be utilized in, in multiple ways for the benefit of their patients. Interesting. Well, great. Is there anything else you'd like to, to share or anything else you'd like to talk about with respect to healthcare and technology and maybe what's exciting you uh, completely unrelated to radiology or AI and just trends that you see in 
cases where technology and healthcare are pairing up that are interesting to you, might maybe outside the hospital or university system? Well, I mean, in, in general, I think we kind of touched on how much our, our U.S. healthcare system is broken, right? And and AI can really have impact in in changing that 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 positive that incredibly positively so by by decreasing our healthcare costs. And I think I think that's that's one of the areas on on top of you know the data mining that I touched on and you know imaging interpretation and so forth um, where. Well, we need to look at AI and realize that this is this is the future. We need to embrace it, and it's going to do wonders for healthcare. And uh, you know, the, the the thing is, for example, in in the U.S., we spend twice as much on on healthcare as as any other wealthy country with worse outcomes. We have the lowest we have the the lowest life expectancy and the highest infant mortality mortality rate compared to other wealthy nations. Mm. So AI. Can potentially change these metrics for the better just by creating that increased productivity, that increased access, that, uh, that increased accuracy of these diagnostic tests, improving treatments, increasing access to healthcare in general across the world. Mm-hmm. So it's it can just it, it's it's a matter of how much impact it will have. I think that's that's the major question. So I'm I'm really I'm really excited about that, and especially from from a world stage, how it's going to impact healthcare in underserved and developing countries that need it the most. Right. You know, and and I agree with you on kind of the promise of technology and and what it can bring to healthcare outcomes. But, you know, part of the issue, and we talked about patient privacy before, is when it comes to healthcare and it's a sensitive topic, obviously governments have to play a role here and public policy folks have to think about the best ways to corral that energy in ways that are productive, that minimize risks of, you know, privacy leaks or other abuse of information or anything like that, right? So what, if you were stepping outside of your doctor's shoes for a moment, if you were to say, here are the things I would do as, you know, a public policy guru to allow technology to best invade, so to speak, healthcare, and then you know, create the outcomes and the benefits that you're talking about. What would you What would you say that looks like? Is it kind of creating little opportunity zones for experimentation in controlled environments? Is it, you know, government partnering with some of these private um, invest investors and and people in the private sector who are trying to do this at large companies and and the research that's going on, the R and D that's going on in the private sector, marrying that with government. I know that already happens to a large degree with grants and things like that. But mm. are there other things that you would do? You know, so so I think one area where where there's a lot of room for improvement within our healthcare system is we we have a treatment based system, right? So everything is it, it's a very reactionary system mm-hmm. where you you you're afflicted with something and then you go to the doctor. You yeah. feel something. And then you go to the doctor. You know, the, the whole point, I, 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 I would want to use this and I would want my government or entities like that to use this to prevent these types of situations from occurring in the first place. So, so I, I would want the government to use their power in, in public policy to positively incentivize situations where, where it could prevent injury or 
prevent morbidity, more, you, any, any other possibilities that, that can lead to life-threatening or life-complicating issues. You're from, talking about almost subsidizing preventive care over treatment-based care. Exactly. And exactly. kind of shift dollars that way. Right. And, and that's, that's one area where, uh, where AI can help tremendously because we, we're, we're already tapped in to, to technology as it is. Everyone has a phone. You know, everyone has some sort of some sort of connection to the internet, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. and being able to utilize that, especially with 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 our handheld devices that we have now, and tap into that data to be able to see, okay, have 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 you know monitoring vital statistics for patients, you know, their blood pressure, their their glucose levels, things like that, and, and whether or not they've taken their medication. Being able to detect the the drug levels when it's most efficacious and when it's not, Be, being able to do things to, to tailor the ther- the their therapies and personalize the medicine, that's what I would want my government, or you know, my, I would want the government to to work with the private sector in doing, to be able to 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 incentivize the importance of of preventative measures. Got it. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, great. I appreciate you taking the time to share some of your thoughts on AI and technology and healthcare and radiology specifically. It's always good to get a doctor's perspective, someone who's kind of living and breathing this in the field, you know, practicing every day. And obviously you're doing research as well. Uh, so you're kind of seeing both sides of that of that coin. And I think it was a, it was a really helpful conversation for me and I hope for, for many other folks. And I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Awesome.